Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bob. This is a wonderful beginning to our Lenten season here. And I would just ask, you know, for our, our uh, daily Mass standbys and for everybody else who can, who can do it, who is, for whom it's possible, you know, given their mobility issues or medical conditions, that we would see if we can park out in the front area, you know, and kind of come in the, come in the front. You know, we're just trying to make a little bit of a scene here in Lyons, trying to put ourselves on the visual map, okay? So if people drive by, they know that St. Michael's is not going down. It's, it's, it's still up and running and still alive. Um, well, we had, uh, what was yesterday, um, someone had asked me, and it was interesting because it was like she said, well, you know, it was my son, you know, it was probably a teenage son who asked me, why do we, what, what's fasting all about? Why do we fast? Why do we have to do this? Uh, or maybe it was, uh, why do we have to abstain from meat? Okay, on Fridays and during Lent. And uh, the abstaining from meat is a little bit like fasting. I mean, it's a similar thing. What you're doing is you're, you're voluntarily depriving yourself of something. Okay, so here I am going to try to explain this maybe to like imagine, you know, a teenager here. Okay, so I'm going to try to make it real simple. Just There's a lot of aspects and a lot of uh, ways that we can think and talk about the value of, of abstaining from meat or from whatever it would be, from denying ourselves certain things, food. There's a lot of different elements to this. So I can only really maybe speak about one thing or two things, two elements of it. So here we go. Here's something, just one basic kind of value to it. We, uh, we have, as human beings, something uh, in common with animals. And we have these, these two sort of strong impulses within us. Okay, And they're put there by... Of Mother Nature, and they're to be used for good, okay, but they can kind of be used for bad. So we're, we're responsible for managing them. And the one power is basically like, you know, there's really technical terms for this. I'm not going to use technical terms because I'm speaking to a teenager right now, okay? This one thing is, is like uh, the power of anger, okay? And then the other element is sort of like the power of desire, okay, or love in a certain sense. You could even use the word love if you kind of kind of make it, uh, use it in a broader sense. So you got the power of anger and the power of love. And uh, those two powers we have in common with the animal. So the power of anger is given to us such that when we're pursuing something that's a good, if there's something that's going to get in our way of that pursuit of, of what's good, um, then we the power of anger enables us to kind of push through that resistance. Okay, And um, so that's a good thing. So when the power of anger is used in that uh, in that capacity, then it's being used rightly. But oftentimes, as we know, it can go it can go astray, and the power of anger can be used for injustice and all these other things. Well, so also we have this other power, the power of desire, and that has there's like two basic components to that. One is the preservation, and both of these have to do with the preservation of the self and the species, the human species and the individual human being, okay? So, uh, you know, when we're pursuing what's good for us, for the preservation of us as individuals and preservation of our species, there's going to be something that's going to threaten our well-being and our life and the power of anger enables us to confront that and push through it. But so also, the, the power of desire is there for the preservation of the individual and also the species. And it's got two main elements to it. Uh, eating and sex. Okay, that, I mean, it's as simple as that. Okay, so we eat to preserve the individual. And then sex is there for um, the preservation of the species. 
Okay, so those are the two basic components of this power of desire. And uh, it's a good thing. It's put into us by Mother Nature, by God, ultimately our Creator. And um, But it can be used, okay, for bad purposes. It can be directed in, a, in an unhealthy way that actually is not good for the individual or the species. So it's, a, it's kind of a two-edged sword, right? You can use it to, to um, do good, but it can kind of rebound on you and, and hit you in the face and, and cut you and, and do damage to you and to your family and to the human and human society in general. So unlike the animals, that's what we have in common with animals, but unlike the animals, we have higher powers of our soul. We have intelligence and we have uh, free will. And so as human beings, our task is to make sure that those two lower powers, and I'm just going to focus now on the power of desire, uh, our task of human beings is just to make sure that the power of desire is ordered, is subordinated rightly underneath our intelligence and our freedom so that it's managed well. So we're going to be, you know, accountable for how we manage this, this lower power. And um, what happens is sometimes this lower power is kind of stuck on a wrong object or it has a tendency to get to attach itself to a wrong object, you know, if you overeat. Or if you're, you know, you're exercising your sexual faculties in a promiscuous manner, okay, that's actually really not good for you or for your family or for human society. And so what we do when we deny ourselves certain things, like now let's just talk about food, okay. Um, if you just deny yourself that food, what you're doing is you're kind of taking that, that wild animal and you're sort of, you know, chastising it and you're kind of bringing it under control so that it's under it's subordinated to those the higher powers of your soul i think everybody all human beings have this intuition that there's something inappropriate about the lower being dominating dominant over the higher and that the higher being subjected to the lower that that just somehow it's really inappropriate it's sort of disgraceful it's embarrassing it's funny too you know you can make jokes about it um, you know, what, what is it that, why do we find like drunkenness humorous? Why is that? You know, there's a lot of reasons why it's humorous, but there's something, the humor is based on the inappropriateness, the kind of strange asymmetry of this, you know, uh, lower power kind of ruling over the higher. And that's, 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 um, why pagans, non-Christians, everybody all over the world, they have this sense of, self-control as a virtue okay so you have you look at the ancient pagans and pagan philosophers or buddhists in the east or whatever they have the sense that self-control is a virtue is something it ennobles the human person and uh, it's something it's a good it's sought after and it's praised and whatnot now as christians what we do is we we want to make sure our freedom and our our intelligence is is ruling appropriately that lower power of desire, um, but then we subordinate in turn our intelligence and our freedom to an even higher power, and that is God. Okay, and we do that through faith. We do that through obedience to his revealed word. And uh, so for the Christian now, this whole process of self-control becomes elevated and it becomes supernaturalized and ordered towards God and towards eternity. So something as simple as just denying yourself meat, flesh meat, you know, that beef looks pretty good, I'm not going to eat it. That chicken looks pretty good, I'm not going to eat it. You know, just doing that simple act of self-denial becomes eternally, supernaturally um, valuable 
and, and, and good for our souls and for our salvation, our relationship with God. And then as we see um, uh, a further element here in our first reading from Isaiah, Isaiah says, is this the fast that I want? And then he delineates these different works of penance. But the people who are doing these works of penance are also doing injustices to their neighbor. So it's kind of like, well, they're defeating the purpose here. So he says, you need to give your bread to the hungry and to um, set prisoners free, so forth and so on. And so what we do is that power of desire now, where when we fast or when we abstain from something, we you know that power of desire longs for, but we do it in conjunction with loving our neighbor, now that power of love, that power of desire, comes to its fruition, to its total true fulfillment, because it's all about love. It's about rightly ordered love. And so now we're taking that power of love and we're putting it to what it was really meant for, and that is loving our neighbor, loving God. Okay, so now it's really ordered very properly. So this is what we're doing. We have a nice opportunity. This Lent, I'm going to bring in the rice bowls. You guys do this every year, the rice bowls. It's great. It's a way you give alms every day. Simple thing all across the Lent. You know, you don't give a ton of money, just a dollar a day. So that would be a way of taking our little acts of abstinence and making them... Um, you know, supernaturally fruitful and, and loving and uh, ordered towards the good of our neighbor and towards the love for God. And then finally as well, we see in our gospel, Jesus says, you know, they're not fasting now because I'm with them, but there's going to come a time when the bridegroom's taken away and then they're going to fast. And so we commemorate um, the death of Christ on when the bride, you know, the death of Christ is the bridegroom being taken away from us. We do that on Fridays. Okay. So Fridays is the day where we're identifying with that sacrifice that Christ made and for, for love of us. And so now for love of him, we're in kind making that, uh, that sacrifice of love for his sake. And it's a way of honoring him and commemorating him this Lent.